Well, we are uh, in week two of a three-week series on vision. Uh, so we're talking vision, reach up, rise up, reach out. We got the vision statement on the wall. We got the vision statement or the, the slide on the screen. Reach up, rise up, reach out. This is our vision statement. It's our compass. It helps us to stay on track because one of the things that's a challenge with regards to uh, church is keeping everybody working together going forward. Uh, there can be a big challenge because, you know, Christians all want to go in different directions and we want to work together to get some things done. And one of the things I like to see if we can do to work together on is uh, doing hand motions for the vision statement. Hand motions are a foolish, irrelevant thing. <laughs> And if we can do foolish, irrelevant things together, we might be able to do significant and relevant things together. But if we can't be uh, faithful in the little things and work together when it means nothing, how can we work together when it's important and dear to our heart and we're emotionally tied into it? So let's, I'll demonstrate the hand motions again, as I did last week. And we can do them together. So it's reach up, rise up, and reach out. So if you would join me, reach up, rise up, reach out. So that's our vision statement. Nice work. Reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. Rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you. And reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. So last week we talked about reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. And we read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I want to read that again as our recap from last week. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So Jesus came here to this world. He knows what it's like to be one of us, to suffer, to be betrayed, to have uh, close people killed. He knows what it's like to have the hardships of this life. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So he knows what we're going through. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this is the letter to the Hebrews. So that's the Jewish people. And so they understand everything with relating to the Old Testament. The high priest who entered into the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat was, the throne of grace. And the high priest would go in there. When Jesus was crucified, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from everywhere else was torn in two. And the presence of God was released. And Jesus is our high priest. And he doesn't just just enter in he brings us with and he he brings us into the presence of God and it says that we then can approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need now last night of course I just got back from the wrestling tournament so I was kind of punchy and 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 so I asked the question if you were invited to the white house would you go 
And what I should have said was this. If you really liked the president that we have and you were invited to the White House, would you go? So there was a variety of responses last night. But uh, here's the deal. If a very important person invites you to come and you get the opportunity, would you go? It would be fantastic. What a great opportunity. You know, picture a, a, a high-profile person, a celebrity of some kind, a, a business mogul, you know, someone at the top of their field that you would love to meet. What if they invited you to come and spend the day with them? Would you do it? You'd be thrilled. We have been invited into the Holy of Holies to go boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy. We've been invited by God into the presence of God. Ought we to go? Well, yeah, I think so. You know, that shouldn't be a, well, I don't know. Oh, my. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus has been here. He came here because he loved us. He demonstrated that. He knows what it's like to be us. He knows what you're thinking. He knows the worst things you've done. He loves you anyway. And he is bringing us in. Let's approach the throne with confidence. We can have a real relationship with the living God. This week, rise up. Let's pray. We'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for uh, just the opportunity we have to gather together. I thank you for this great country and the freedoms that we have. I pray, Lord, that you would protect it. And uh, Lord, help us to make the most of the opportunities that we have. And Lord, I pray that you would bless our time this morning, that you would help us to just connect with you. And Lord, each one of us is dealing with different things. We're fighting different parts of the battle. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would touch each one of us with what we need so that we can believe in you better, trust in you more, serve you more effectively, and walk through this life with joy. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Rise up. So... I was raised to be getting better, whatever it was. That was the, the, I'm sure it was a spoken assumption, but it was also an unspoken assumption. Whatever you're doing, you can do it better. Tomorrow, be better than you were today. Whatever you're doing, get better at it. That was something that I grew up with. I was taught to struggle and to strive and to never be satisfied. I remember the one of the coaches when I was a kid, the speech, never be satisfied. Okay, you've got this far. You can get farther. Never be satisfied. And uh, there's a good thing there, but there's also a darkness there. Because if you live your whole life dissatisfied if you live your whole life thinking I could have done more that could have been better that wasn't good enough this isn't enough and you're dissatisfied and always looking back thinking ah could have been better that's not life-giving but I grew up in that environment and I embraced it And then when I became a Christian, 
I thought, man, these are a bunch of complacent people. <laughs> you know, they're just happy how they are. You know, like, uh, come on, man, <laughs> let's make some progress. Uh, have you, there's a song on the radio now, there could never be a more beautiful you. Have you heard that song? I mean, I, I hear that song. I'm like, no, no, I can get better. There can be a better me. What do you mean? I haven't peaked. You know, like, don't say there could never be a better me. Like, come on, I can make another step. I can get there. Don't close the door on me. You know, I mean, it's, it's all in how you view it. But the reality is, uh, if we look at ourselves and we're trying to validate who we are so that we can be satisfied, we don't want to become complacent. So I think what we need to do is we need to be able to find a life to live, which is that abundant life, which is both full of self-satisfaction, full of peace, full of joy, and getting better at the same time, and motivated, and strong, satisfied, content, at peace, and getting better. Rise up. Now, I believe Luke 9.23 and Matthew 11.30. I believe they're both true. Let's read these two verses. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And again, those years ago when I became a Christian, I read this verse. I'm like, yeah, give me a cross. I'll carry it. You know, I was ready to, to suffer and give up whatever. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Is that a fun one? How are you feeling? Let's read the next one, 1130. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, says Jesus. So now the one has a certain feel and the other has a different feel, right? Take up your cross daily, deny yourself, because man, this is easy. And light. What is going on here? I believe those are both true. Jesus spoke both of those statements. And so what did he mean? How are we to understand that as we live our lives? Are we to just beat ourselves into the ground, deny ourselves, lose everything? Or are we to enjoy this light and easy life of following Christ? What is it? Well, Here's how I see it when we, when we put the pieces together. They're both true because the pain of self-discipline is much less than the pain of regret. The pain of self-discipline, take up your cross daily and follow me. The pain of self-discipline is much less than the pain of regret. So his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's a yoke, it's a burden. It's paying it forward. It's doing things, hoping for a harvest in the future that maybe you don't see. But it's something that is way better than the pain of regret. So we do take up our cross, but that helps us to prevent many other problems in the future. The pain of self-discipline is much less than the pain of regret. So let's rise up. We rise up out of the garbage that's holding us down 
into the abundant life in Christ. Out of all those things, the miry clay, the junk, the, the man, you know that stuff. Into who God meant for us to be. Let's read Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at Luke 4, starting in verse 14. An amazing situation where uh, Jesus went to church and something cool happened. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. Can you imagine that? It's time for the scripture reading, and Jesus is like, I'll take care of that. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let's go back to verse 18. Put verse 18 back up there. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's reading the Old Testament scriptures from Isaiah, and he's talking about this this time of God's favor, and he's saying, it's here. There's good news for the poor. There is freedom for the prisoners. There's recovery of sight for the blind. There is uh, release for the oppressed. What's good news for the poor? If you learn God's ways, you can apply Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, And all these things will be added unto you as well. That you can learn to live in such a way that your bills get paid. It can happen. That's good news for the poor. Not only will you learn the skills to be able to take care of yourself, but God will actually help you out besides. Two wonderful things. Good news for the poor. Besides that... When Christianity takes over a nation, there's less corruption, there's less destruction, and there's more prosperity just in general. It's good news for the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. Now, there were times when the people who needed to be set free were in literal prison. Right? Paul and Silas, they're chained up. The chains fell off, the doors opened, they got out. But a lot of the time, this is symbolic, that there is freedom for the prisoner. Our God breaks the chains that bind us. What has you chained up? Addiction, anxiety, various sins. There are chains that hold us down in our life. Jesus proclaims freedom 
for the prisoner that this has been fulfilled now. Sight for the blind. This is the one I get excited about. I am firmly convinced that there is opportunity everywhere if I could just see it. You know what I mean? There is freedom everywhere if I could just see it. There's just so many things right there to happen if I could just see it. What are we blind to? Have you ever woke up and you're just like, oh, look at that. And you saw something you'd never seen before, even though it was right in front of you the whole time. I love those aha moments. I've had enough of those. And usually here's how it goes for me. It's like, I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. And then you just feel stupid for not having recognized it ahead of time. Like, oh, that's so obvious. You know, and recovery of sight for the blind. Like that my yoke is easy and my burden is light is not inconsistent with or contradicting take up your cross daily and follow me. That they work together. That we can embrace both and have a successful life, a joy-filled life, a peaceful life serving God. Not one where you're just going to be destroyed. Oh, of course. (laughs) Hallelujah. Recovery of sight for the blind to see how God sees. I remember years ago before I became a believer looking at a huge oak tree and just thinking that is amazing. Look at that thing. It just sort of happened, you know, like, These rocks are floating in space and different things happen. And now this just like a lot of time passed and there's this oak tree. That's amazing that that just sort of happened. Nature and, you know, this is just amazing. I was thrilled. (laughs) I was fairly simple. (laughs) When I was like three, my mom said that I... I rode my tricycle out to the curb and looked at the street sign for an hour. (laughs) And she's like, I don't know, either that kid's really smart or he's really not, you know. (laughs) What's he doing looking at a street sign for an hour? But anyway, now I look at an oak tree and I see it completely differently. I think, look at the majesty of God and the symbiotic relationships that God has put in his creation to show his character to us and to reveal himself to us. Look at this amazing world that God has made. And I see it differently. So many people see things the wrong ways. How do you see the scriptures? How do you see church? How do you see serving God? How do you see these things? How do you see relationships? If we see right, man, it's huge. It's Romans 12 too. 
Put Romans 12, 2 up. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can see differently. You can have your mind conform to the truths of God instead of conforming to the pattern of the world. Huge. And then back to uh, 4.18. Release for the oppressed. Maybe you're not in prison. You know what I mean? There's things that we can function with that are hanging on us. We're just oppressed by them. We're not stopped. We still can get through the day. This is huge. To release the oppressed. A couple years ago, my wife had one of those aha revelation moments. It was very important, and I've embraced what she uh, received. And it was this. She always thought that our struggle against sin in this life was, I'm over here really not wanting to do these things I know I shouldn't do. And I'm going to be strong and not do them, but I always am going to hear that voice. I always am going to be being pulled, but I'm going to lean away from it. But it's there. Always. Gnawing at you. And then she was like, no, God promises freedom, a release from that so that the thing isn't pulling on you anymore. Because when it's pulling, what happens in a weak moment? You're done. But if it is broken off, if the oppression isn't there, if the chain is broken, you're not even tempted by it anymore. You're free. And she's like, we can be free. And she had experienced some freedom. She's like, we can actually be free, not just resisting the constant pull, but actually be free. What a blessing to release the oppressed. And then verse 19. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does that mean? Loosely translated, it would be, right now, God's in a good mood. (laughs) You know, I think to myself, what if I was around during Noah's flood? Would I have been on the boat or would I have been swimming? I'm glad I live in the year of God's favor. I'm glad I live in the era of grace because I'm thinking I'd have been swimming. Now we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We proclaim that now is the age of the gospel, the good news that sins are forgiven, that our darkness and evil is taken away and we're brought into the family of God and we get to be co-heirs with Christ. Now is the time of God's favor. What an incredible blessing that is. So we want to rise up into freedom and vision and provision. 
Now, doesn't that sound good? Why rise up? Hopefully you're excited about your life getting better. You know what I mean? Like we rise up to live a better life. But there's also another reason. We rise up because there's work to do. And God needs strong people to do that work. And we'll talk about that next week. That's the reach out part. God needs strong people to do very important work. And so we rise up to have the capacity to do what God has called us to do. Again, more on that next week. Now the question is, how do we rise up? How do we do this? There's a whole lot to that. Man, I'm not going to be able to answer that in the next 10 minutes. But uh, we're going to start. Because the normal Christian plan has always been, no, I should, don't, and feel bad. But sort of trust in the grace and kindness of God. Right? No, I'm supposed to be better. I'm just not. And I hope God's okay with that. That's not abundant life. That's not rise up. That's stay the same. Rise up. How do we do that? Second Peter chapter one, starting in verse three. This verse is amazing. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you know that you have everything you need for life and godliness? You think to yourself, well, I remember reading that for the first time and going, what? (laughs) I do not feel like I have everything I need. I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle and there's no hope. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's like having a tool in the garage in that place you haven't been for eight years. You don't know what's there, but you have it. If you could only see it. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So this is rise up, participating in the divine nature. And it's not hard to do if you are able to access it. Participate in the divine nature. So how do we do that? Verse five, for this very reason, make every effort. This one I liked again, make every effort. Does this sound like complacency? No, but it's also not dissatisfaction. It's also not looking at yourself as incomplete, as a failure, not good enough. It isn't that. It's, I'm complete in Christ. I'm perfectly forgiven. God made me not a mistake, but, you know, I'm fine. But I can make every effort to grow. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. There's an assumption here that we start with faith. We have faith. Faith is this. When we look at a verse that says you have everything you need for life and godliness, we go, wow, really? Fantastic. How do I find that? If it's there and I can't find it, faith is believing that that's actually real, that the verse is true. 
It isn't just some goofy thing. Add to your faith goodness. In the Greek, goodness here literally translated would be manliness. Add to your faith manliness. I thought, well, what does that mean? I'm not going to take too long to talk about it, but basically it's this. Add to your faith the strength to do the right thing. Add to your faith the strength to do the right thing. So now you have faith, add some action to it. Now you have faith. You believe, okay, you know, go to the throne of grace with confidence. Now actually pray. Start a prayer life. You know, it says in the book (laughs) to approach the throne of grace. I'm trying, Lord, help me to do that. You do the right thing. You start that prayer life. You start that uh, Bible study time. When you know you need to apologize to somebody, you do it. You have the strength to do the right thing. You read a verse in there that says, love your enemies. And you're like, well, let me give that a shot. And you try it out best you can. Level one. Then you get to add to that goodness, that strength to do the right thing. Knowledge, because if you love your enemy, you're going to learn something. If you put prayer into practice, you're going to learn something. If you read scriptures and you live them out, you're going to learn things. You're going to have knowledge, not theory. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control. This is another type of strength, but it's the strength to not do the wrong thing. So we started with the strength to do the right thing. Now we've grown, we've got somewhere, we have something to protect, so don't mess it all up. Have the strength to not do the wrong thing. Those are two different things, both very important. And perseverance. Somehow, we've figured that God can solve any problem just like that. I see things in the Bible. Jesus talks about plants a lot. Trees that grow, plants that grow, they finally bear fruit. It's a slow, long process. We must persevere or we're not going to get to the other side. So to perseverance, godliness. This is what I thought goodness meant. It basically means now you're starting to live kind of in a godly way. You're doing the right thing consistently. You're you're getting it. Godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. This is loving your brother. To brotherly kindness, love, which is agape, the God kind of love. This is loving everyone. Your neighbor, your enemy. You're just loving like how God does. That's quite the progression, isn't it? Let's uh, read the next few verses. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this was a verse that popped out to me. Effective, productive, great. Let's get something done. So if we possess these eight qualities, if we have faith, we start with faith, 
we have the strength to put it into practice, to do the right thing. Then uh, we learn some things. We get knowledge and we continue to study the scriptures and learn more things that way. Then we don't mess it up by doing the wrong thing. Then we persevere and continue on even when we don't feel like it. Then we're at the godliness place. We have everything we need to get there. Then we get to uh, loving our brothers. Then we get to loving everyone Now, that's effective and productive Christianity. Amen? That's something else. The Bible always has two sides to every coin. But if anybody does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. It's very important that we recognize the grace and kindness of God and don't take it for granted. I've been plucked from the flames. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It gives you a different vision of what's going on. You know, it's going to be okay. (laughs) I've been plucked from the flames. I've been cleansed from my past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What an amazing blessing that would be. I'm going to invite the prayer teams forward. We're going to close here in just a minute. As they are coming forward, I want to ask a simple question. So Jesus came to set the captives free, to release the prisoners, to uh, give freedom to the oppressed. He came to set the captives free. Who are these captives? Where are these captives? Do we need to go on a missions trip to Africa to find some captives that need setting free? I would say there's two categories of captives that need to be set free. There's the ones in the room and the ones that aren't in the room. Each one of us has things that pull us down. Each one of us has things that if we could be free from, oh man... Let's take some time now and believe God that his promises are true. That it's fulfilled. That there's freedom for the prisoners. There's sight for the blind. There's release for the oppressed. There's good news to the poor. That now is the time of God's favor where he just likes you and he doesn't have to have a reason. Let's believe God to have that be real for us that this captive can be set free. So as I was saying those words, if something came in your head, just flashed through, that's the thing we want to believe that you can be free from. So let's pray together along those lines, then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. Whatever your prayer need, come up and get prayer. Talking about going boldly before the throne of grace. These people will pray with you and 
doesn't matter what the need is, come get prayer. You want to start a relationship with Jesus? Get prayer. Any other need, come get prayer. Let's pray about rising up first. Then I'll invite you forward for that. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy and kindness and love. Thank you, Lord, that we live in the era of grace, in the time of your favor. Lord, praise be to your name. Hallelujah. You are so good. Lord, I pray for each one of us in this room right now that we would see the chains that have held us down and we would see your power to break them and that we would be free. Lord, place in our hearts the name of the chain so that we can rebuke it and be free. Not have it gnawing at us, not have it pulling at us, not having it make us blind and foolish, but instead free. Lord, we trust you. We know you want us to be free. So help us to grab hold of that so that we can step up, live abundant life, enjoy abundant life, and be productive and effective in our service to you. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Father, I pray your peace and your joy would be in us. And Lord, I pray that we would open ourselves to your love completely so that your love would hit us and overflow over us so that we would have plenty extra to share with anyone that we meet. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.